Mm-hmm. God, I, I'm such a fan of Green Arrow, but some of his like gadgetry and ridiculousness is so stupid. I still love it. Um, there is uh, so I think it, there's something with Green Arrow. So it, he's like, "Why do you have a punching glo- uh, glove, Arrow? Because I want to punch something, but it's over there." I think he legit says that to somebody. I mean, at least he actually has an answer for it. <laughs> well, and you got to remember too, what was the whole point of creating a bow and arrow? I want to stab somebody, but they're all the way over there. <laughs> I just can't believe he went with the arrow cave and the arrow car when Quiver was right there. And I love I that. Oh, man. I am not the first person to make that. It's in a comic. I cannot it's in take credit Injustice. for that. It's in the mm. Injustice comics. It's perfect. But like... <laughs> Come on, man. Your yeah. whole thing is bow and arrows. And you're like, you have a bat cave. I have an arrow cave. <laughs> like, aeroplane makes sense, right? I get you. That's a fun play on words. But come on. Come on. Air- no, quiver would have been the better way to go on this one. So we're, we're getting a little too far into this gimmick, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, we're not far enough. In- no, that's the problem. He didn't, he didn't commit. <laughs> it's everyone else who is wrong. Arrow cave is genius. Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi everybody, this is Leo the Geek Scorpio, back again with another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is going to be part two of what happens with our DC Animated Universe Justice League episode. Basically the aftermath of what happens to dc's animated series is that with that that being said to help guide me through this quest of getting all this kind of knowledge and such i have with me a few guests with me and with that let's introduce each other with that i've got to my right over here hey this is ben i am the l penguin and over probably the side is is with us hello my name is dan i go by d and dan on the internet all right and with us also is going to be our friend what's up it's Brandon, also known as the Tomato Man, um, resident cinephile, video game file, and all that good stuff. All right, that being said, let's take a quick trip to the Magical Merch Booth. So with that, uh, today's Magical Merch Booth is a great thank you, shout out, and thank you to all the people who have helped us out with our Extra Life I've uh, charity events that we've been doing all throughout most of November. And with that being said, we've got, I just want to thank everybody who's donated and participated and helped out. It's been a good cause. Some of us are still awake somehow from our big streams. Like, like Dane is. Okay. I hear there's a need for information on a podcast. I, I, I'm called to, uh, to respond. <laughs> He's summoned to respond to Indeed. this. But Everybody, thank you for participating and helping us out with raising a large amount of funds for Extra Life. I can't, uh, we cannot stress how great that is. Besides, how, what's a little being a little tired over raising money to help sick kids? You know, exactly. Por los niños. Los niños, poquinos. Por los niños. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, let's get ourselves back to the show. <laughs> So with this, what we're talking about today is basically what happens to the Justice League 
unlimited for a universe. So, and what happens to DC's animated stuff afterwards. So, just as a quick recap, um, now, first off, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Mary.Kitty, who is a beat, who is on Twitter, who actually met, reached out to, uh, to us and sent a message of, hey, when can you guys think about doing a part two to this, which helped spawn what this is. So just a quick shout out for that. Uh, link to their uh, stuff on Twitter will be in the description. That being said, though, quick aside from what happened with Justice League on animated universe. The DCAU was created and made in the 90s. Now, it changes the landscape of how we see superhero animation, not to mention it eff its effects with animation in general and how that becomes a big storytelling thing. Going to be not breaking the censors, but being right at the line of, of the censors, but also being able to tell these big epic stories in such a small, uh, it's such a small animated thing. And for the most part, also treating their audience, whether it's children or adults or teenagers, anyone who could go in there to understand these stories and push them further for that. And that being said, after the series has ended for Justice League Unlimited, that doesn't stop DC becoming knowing what they have. There was an old saying that Marvel could do can do movies, but DC can really do animation. Mm -hmm. And so with that, they had decided to open the floodgates and sort of just start making DC animated series. The first big one that comes out after or actually during Justice League Unlimited is uh, Justice League is uh, Teen Titans, which Teen Titans, Titans I really loved and essentially was designed after the um, George Perez run of the Teen Titans. So we're talking Raven, Starfire, um, Beast Cyborg. Boy, Cyborg, and and um, Robin. Um, I remember they were talking about it, it was a real it, it's a thing. Everybody wants Dick Grayson as the Robin for for the show, but they also want, but they want to look as uh, Tim Drake. So like you'll almost never see the original Robin costume anymore. It's always Tim Drake's ver variant of that costume. Well, I will say the original Robin outfit is very much so of its time. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does not, in my opinion, necessarily lend itself to uh, modern crime fighting. I wouldn't say. <laughs> Um, to put that gently, not that there's anything wrong with the suit itself. I, I think it was great for its time, but I mean, much like you take a look at all the younger heroes that you see there, or even the older heroes, right? But like mm. Speedy, Aqualad, uh, a lot of the, the original, uh, Teen Titans and Young Justice mm. and their, their outfits were something else. <laughs> now I do want to give a very special shout out to, uh, Puffy Amiyumi for that opening track. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and they got their own like cartoon based on them, which was neat after that. So Um But yeah, interestingly enough, just like with Justice League, instead of going with the original grouping of it, there's two major Teen Titans that are not in or actually three major Teen Titans that are not in um the show as the Teen Titans group originally. Kid Flash is not there. I think he might make an appearance towards the end of the series. But I know um, Speedy uh, doesn't show up until almost the end of the series. And Donna Troy is nowhere near at, at anywhere. But if anybody's read enough DC Comics, Donna Troy is a mess to the point that even her origins don't make any sense to, to DC. And that's saying something, because they have Supergirl, who has like three different iterations one's like a clone and a changeling and well and it retcons the like 
origins of Superman in mm-hmm. a lot of respects, too, just by her existence. So it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, I do find it a little bit interesting that a lot of these founding members of the Teen Titans um, in the comics, right, uh, are relegated to this sort of Titans East in, in the Teen Titans show. Mm. Uh, so Speedy uh, is, is kind of there. He's sort of a foil to Robin initially when you meet him. Yep. I think Queen Bee's on there. I'm pretty sure Aqua Lad's on that team. Yes. Um, Masimenos, like a lot of the heavy hitters and some new newcomers as well are kind of placed in this Titans East team mm. in that show. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to take a look at on that is kind of a weird, how do I want to put it? Uh, storytelling art style that they sort of changed up for it. Not it being like an anime art style. By this point, anime has been so kind of uh, mainstream that we you just start seeing influences of this popping up. You don't, mm-hmm. the uh, I think this is before Avatar The Last Airbender though. So you don't see the bigger influences and then this spread for it. And that's just a common take that's going to happen. Um, Batman the Animated Series, there's like four or five animated series that use the simple line art system for it so when you're talking about art and animation for that um there's a a rule that bruce tim does which is why batman looks very square jaw large shoulders and such and similar to the flesher cartoons the reason why they do that is a thing called uh, conversation um it's conservation of lines the short end of it the more complicated of an artwork the more uh more time you have to spend drawing it if you want a big example for that, that's the reason, major reason why South Park, because it's so simplistic in its artwork style, they can get an episode out in seven days. Meanwhile, something that's super complicated with things in the background and, and stuff moving around, like Rick and Morty has layers upon layers upon layers of artwork, and it takes them almost years to get, uh, it takes a couple of years before they can actually start a new season because of that. But what I'm talking about in this case isn't just their anime-esque art style, which is just fun. Honestly, I think they just wanted to try something different to separate itself, but also that sometimes the topics and such is dark and serious, but all the, and other times it's campy and goofy and and weird on that. There's an episode about them talking about how, which is a great episode of how Cyborg is downtrodden because Robin keeps trying to push him to work harder because he knows because he, he, he believes in him like a personal trainer would, but cyborgs is cyborg there is a robotic parts in there and that's who and he's going through a identity crisis because yeah there's a set limit to the machines within it's not just about physical growth it's about understanding one's limits kind of deal Mm -hmm. and then through the episode the uh he figures out a way to sort of um pushes limit even further than what he's supposed to do which is a great testament to it and then there's an episode with a villain called mad mod which is how many british tropes we can throw into and jokes we can throw into this the answer was the whole episode oh Mm. my god i do find it a bit interesting kind of taking it back to the animation side of things right Mm -hmm. uh in my opinion you see a lot of what eventually becomes avatar the last airbender or at least Mm -hmm. where they take some of those influences in Teen Titans, right? Teen Titans came out in 2003, Avatar 2005. Uh, and I think that Teen Titans really did kind of pave the way uh, to uh, 
uh, Avatar being able to adapt this sort of anime-ish art style for an American audience. I mean, obviously, yeah. as you said, anime was already popular at this time, but I do think that this really kind of helped uh, centralize it for American audiences. Oh, Correct. for sure. And even in the case of Avatar, I mean, it became more of a questioning, like, is this an American anime or is this just an anime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Teen Titans walked so Avatar could run. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very, very true, because you see a lot of the expressionism in Teen Titans that would go mm -hmm. on to be, like, the cornerstone of Aang's entire everything. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's also uh, kind of a nod that did happen sometime in the 2000s, where in the 2000s, uh, people were finally starting to realize anime can, can actually be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, different styles mix them up for it. Right. But I think it's just also a way to uh, translate, you know, be able to translate in ways that, you know, we can all get and understand. Because I think during that, isn't uh, during that same time, it isn't the uh, 2000s where Samurai Jack also came out? Yes. yes. And that is very much um, uh, inspired by Japanese, uh, not just um anime itself but also japanese uh film star like a character uh, like a Kira kurosawa's films and such very <laughs> much is taken from that oh yeah i know this isn't about that show but yeah. I, I i will be failing in my duty if i don't at least mention this the f everyone i don't care who you are everyone should go watch the first episode of samurai jack the pilot episode of samurai jack is oh, that is oh my god because there is no dialogue I may, maybe like a handful of words in the future, but, but for the majority like of that Aku show, that speaks, right? yeah, it's, it's all Aku. Jack does not speak. I don't think for that entire show, for that episode. He doesn't most of it speak until towards the end is the end. Oh, when he, when he says his name, when he right? says his name. Yeah. And that's it's, not even his name. That's the thing that not. I was not trivial. That's just what people call him. Yeah. It's right? incredible. And if you're a fan of animation whatsoever, treat yourself to this. It, it was great. It was very neat too, because it it's a different type of storytelling in that respect too. Because you're actually the reason why he's not speaking through so much of the show is because he doesn't understand the language. Yeah, and throughout the show, he starts to speak a little bit more and a little bit more clearly of understanding of circumstances. So it's a very very good way of growing the story, but being minimalistic in terms of presentation for audio for a character. There's a short list of cartoons and TV shows that I that there are certain episodes in it that I just will go back to. Not even the mm -hmm. whole series, just these episodes or stories together. Mm -hmm. um, Samurai Jax's opening is on like one of my top five, although weirdly enough, um, and this is more period piece, the 87 Turtles first season, which is actually five episodes done as an entire story arc. If you mm -hmm. pay attention, it is one week from when they find April to when they get to the end of that. And they don't skip that around, which is weird for like an 80s cartoon, which is, they're mostly episodic. So good. But it's so good. Anyway. DC. Anyway, so <laughs> Teen Titans likes to take this role for it. Now, what it does in general is open up sort of the doors for people want to see more DC animation uh, series on there. And this gives uh, DC sort of this hope of being able to move beyond needing to have uh justice league or justice league unlimited and so they don't they stop and what's kind of important to that is because they uh they don't want to run it 
I guess, into the ground without it feeling um, samey. Keep in mind, at this point, the Justice League as a series, or that art style or such, if you combine them all together, is roughly something like almost 8 to 10 years back-to-back. We're talking 1990, I think, 2 or 3, and it doesn't stop until 2006. Yeah. And so, like, they just got to keep running with it. Could they go further? Yeah, but even their writers and animation team wanted to take a break from it because certain arcs were just so much on that. And this gets kind of interesting. So one thing that happens after that is they start releasing what's known as, and we're going to start jumping around on it because the timeline gets kind of messy with this one because uh, they start getting into newer shows. So one of the things they do is redo a Batman series for it. And as a hot take for that one, they change around who they have in the Batman series. Um, So this is a show called like, I think it's called the Batman is what they refer to it as. And they go back to basics. Batman is going out there. Some crimes. It's got an interesting, like cartoon, more cartoonish anime inspired thing for it. And it's first year, uh, it's first season, both does impressively well, but it tanks for the first like half of the season uh, in the ratings for it. The major reason why it's, it becomes uh kind of, and this is a problem that DC will bump into for, any series for like the next 10 years that they prop out comparison. Sure. You had made the Batman, the animated series and you made justice league. And they're so good that the next iteration is going to get hit hard for that because of it. Like if you want a video game example for that, Bioshock two is an amazing game. Bioshock one is thus that much better for it. Sure. Or at least that more conceived of to be better right? more conceived of yeah whether it's whether there is better or not i think it's subjective but no i absolutely agreed i think another really strong um kind of idea to, to keep this in line with the dc animated universe right mm-hmm. i have i have watched quite a few episodes of teen titans go and this may be a hot take for some of you listening out there and, and if so uh <laughs> get in the comments i guess but teen titans go is just as good in its way as teen titans the animated series was mm-hmm. it's just not for you yeah yeah and honestly um knowing that the batman did kind of take a beginning would make a lot of sense because i think a lot of people who would originally like come into that are people who were former lovers of the previous batman animated series Mm -hmm. and so had certain expectations for trying to walk into that but it's actually nice that um no to know that it did uh, get better in ratings halfway through mm-hmm. because of course the people who come in all butt squishy about things uh they're gonna bounce out which is just gonna be left with the people who are actually watching it to enjoy it and um actually even mentioned that it does have more of an anime style behind it does also just shows that it's once again what was made in the times because mm-hmm. of course around the, the batman like we said all the other shows they were taking more anime as um well anime liberties and, yeah which that now that i think about it going back it would make sense of how dark um the batman animated series was because i mean 90s was kind of the time for grunge so they they knew what they had to do on that mm-hmm. sometimes it's a period piece for it so like for example a good example on that one is in that series they had the joker the Joker, we've gone through years and years being played by Mark Hamill. Um, in this case, it's played by Kevin Michael Richardson. Um, a critique a lot of people had was that the Joker was less 
uh, had was still his Joker plot, but he was a highly skilled capoeira fighter as well for this version of the Joker. Oh my! Um, the thing that I thought was interesting on it is each season in that show though is a semi arc for it. So season one for Batman is year one basically. But season two introduces Batgirl. Season three introduces Robin. And season four, which is its final season, introduces the Justice League. And you just see him start rising as he goes through that and having to deal with these things. And they sort of put in things that are like arc based on that. But it's a different take to where that you have it. But yeah, it's uh, essentially the reason why a lot of these shows will struggle a little in the first season, at least in the for, for the last decade. Keep in mind, this show came out maybe a year or two after Justice League ended. When you have something that is very prolific out there, it is hard to, like, it is hard to um, not be compared to that. And people might miss the point for it. Um, Rise of the Teenage Mutant, to keep it in animation, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles started doing really odd in its first season. But again, that is because people were still thinking it was closer to uh, whenever, and you'll see this pop up, Fans of like the the last years, their last series that's on there, start watching it. Don't totally get where they're getting at with it, and then uh, bail out. And that's just sort of a thing on it for the animation. Like Teen Titans Go is completely different from Teen Titans, and so if you were expecting a story like Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go isn't the same uh, route for it. Yeah, completely agree. And it is just as good at what it does in its own way. It is not the same show. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> um, and if you're wanting like an action-packed, great storytelling show, that's definitely not the one you should be watching, mm -hmm. right? But it does comedy mm -hmm. pretty pretty well, in my opinion. Maybe maybe I just have the juvenile sense of humor. I don't know. <laughs> it, it 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 gives me the chuckles. But keep in mind, this is the same series that has Weird Al Yankovic played Dark Side. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, and the fact that you've got like an entire episode dedicated to making fun of the fact that it's not Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it lampoons its own source material. I, I think that's know. kind of brilliant. In I do too, brilliant. to be honest. It's a right. really good episode. If you don't watch any other episode of that, track that one down. I'll see if I can get an episode name. But but yeah, so we're going to be moving around from Teen, uh, from teen Titans, because we could talk about Teen Titans... All day is yeah, such a good, good. Yeah. and I actually honestly really loved its way it kind of ended with it um, basically globalizing its Teen Titans, which kind of happens in the comics at some point. There is in the comics themselves, there's sort of two big rules. Once you're a Titan, you're always a Titan. And people who are Titans tend to go either grow up and become older. Um, and be, and like Kid Flash became becomes the Flash, Wally West. But if ever the Teen Titans need to call, Teen Titans can rally all these groups together. And people will come out of the woodwork for it. The other thing is Robin leads. Yep. Uh, and it's mostly Dick Grayson leads. Doesn't matter if it's Robin. Doesn't matter if it's Nightwing. He's in charge. And it kind of is poetic because he's also the guy who started the Titans. I will say it's kind of interesting to see some of those times where he doesn't lead. Because mm -hmm. um, there are a few times where he is, you know, either like the, the Titans uh, mm -hmm. live action series or, you know, in some of the animated series as well, where he is not interested in leading and he kind of fights against it. So he's trying to set somebody up for leadership. 
Yeah. Uh, and inevitably, it seems like it does always kind of fall back to him, right? Um, but I think it's interesting when they do kind of deviate from the script a bit and have Dick Grayson trying to find out, like, okay, if not me, then who? Yeah, and that's just sort of where I think the only time they don't do, they, and even then they go with, if not me, then who sort of situation, even in Young Justice. Yeah. Where, uh, mm-hmm. And we'll get to Young Justice. That's a okay. whole okay. thing for that. But <laughs> it'll 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 come back to that one for it. But yeah, so like they do other Batman series for it. And so you get kind of this weird split in the DC animated series. There's it splits into sort of three or four different places. But here's the first big split. Your new series that they want to do for D for DC's animated series breaks down into two forms. One, the campy versions, which are we're we're not we're not taking ourselves seriously. We're going to be more camp. We're going to we're going to have some fun for it, and or we're going to be dark and serious, just Batman, similar to Batman the animated series. So the Batman, Young Justice, and a couple of series after, uh, and I think two more series after that, like Beware the Batman, they have a more serious tone for it. Right? Then you have campy stuff like uh, Batman Brave the Bold, Lego, mm-hmm. and uh, any of the Lego stuff, um, <laughs> just League action. Oh, that's what I was going to bring up. Was was Batman Brave and the Bold? Yeah. Um, Aquaman's rousing song of heroism sticks <laughs> firmly in my mind. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's one which I really love. Batman is trying to explain how logical things are to like Blue Beetle. It's like the first episode, and Batman does a self narration. Truth be told, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it takes weird. And my favorite thing is that. Uh, the Brave and Bold was a comic series. Uh, mm. It still is around, which is mostly Batman and your guest star. <laughs> <laughs> this introduced Batman into, um, into being oh, just knowing all the superheroes that are out there because there's Batman adventuring with who is it this week? Oh, it it's Swamp Thing. Interesting. I think it's very reminiscent of like uh, a lot of the old Scooby Doo serials, right? Mm-hmm. Where, oh my God. where you've got Batman show up one week, and then it's the Globe Trotters, and then it's Abbott and Costello. Um, and <laughs> the, I, I definitely the three, think they've the Three Stooges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and don't forget Sonny and Cher. No, of course, oh my yeah. God! How could you, Don Knotts? This week, let's go. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting because I do think it's a formula that for a more lighthearted, like children's based show, mm-hmm. I think that does work very well because they'll see these popular figures and they'll be like, Oh, it's such and such or whoever. Like, Oh, it's, you know, Ant or not Ant-Man. That's Marvel. Wow. It's plastic man. (laughs) Or it's, it's, uh, you know, it's Superman this week. That's cool. I like Superman. I like Batman. They're in a show together. Like that's super neat. There's like, uh, also with green Arrow when he teams up with green arrow and they just, it's more of a pissing contest for each other, which just gets me in a very special place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. God, I, I'm such a fan of Green Arrow, but some of his like gadgetry and ridiculousness is so stupid. I still love it. Um, there is uh, so I think there's something with Green Arrow. So he's like, "Why do you have a punching bl- uh, glove arrow? Because I want to punch something, but it's over there." I think he legit says that. To somebody. I mean, at least he actually has an answer for it. <laughs> well, and you got to remember too, what was the whole point of creating a bow and arrow? I want to stab somebody, but they're all the way over there. I just can't believe he went with the arrow cave and the arrow car when Quiver was right there. And I love I not, that. Oh, man. I am not the first person to make that. It's in a comic. I cannot it's in take Injustice. credit for that. It's in the mm. Injustice comics. It's perfect. But like, <laughs> come on, man. Your yeah. whole thing is bow and arrows. And you're like, 
you have a bat cave. I have an arrow cave. <laughs> like aeroplane makes sense, right? I get you. That's a fun play on words, but come on. Come on. Air, no, quiver would have been the better way to go on this one. So we're, we're getting a little too far into this gimmick, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, we're not far enough in. No, that's the problem. He didn't, he didn't commit. <laughs> it's everyone else who is wrong. Arrow cave is genius. So the sad news, as campy and fun as this is, this series for it has probably one of my, it's an episode I want to go out and find. I only heard about it, but I didn't, I have yet to see it. But it's, uh, so there's an episode, uh, I forget who plays Batman in, in that series of uh, the voice actor for that one. Um, he's a, he's a pretty decent comedic actor, but I can't remember his name, but there's an episode where he's haunted by, where Batman is haunted by, uh, three visions of Batman. However, uh, I think his, uh, uh, there's Thomas Wayne and then there's also this mysterious ghost that keeps chasing him around. Is, it, is this a Batman's Carol? Kind of, because what it is is that it's sort of an introspective for Batman. However, the voice acting cast that they have in that one episode is the current actor who's playing Batman the, I mean, in this series, um, then uh, Kevin Conroy, and then also Adam West. It's the most Batmans you will get in one episode is in this series. It's a lot of Batmans. It's a lot of Batmans. But honestly, sometimes you just want camp. Sometimes you just want the fun side of this. Like, they're superheroes in superhero costumes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, not everything needs to necessarily be, like, super serious all the time. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, we, we know how serious it can be all the time, but we're we're actually at a... We're having a situation where we have multiple Batmans. This is a golden opportunity to just have fun. Yeah, come on, man. Let's see where this is going to go. And there's not one, but I think there's, like, five different musical episodes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Birds of Prey has no right going that hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is more remember this is your Scooby-Doo movies, your crossovers. If you want to see, you you want your Batman but to hang out with somebody else, you've got it. I think there's a special thing, like it takes them a while, a long while before Robin even shows up in the show. It's like, oh, seasons have gone by for that one. Now, as far as, now those campy ones, there's also Justice League action which is one that I thought was, which is just fun. It's, they took the voice actors and some of the people who did the original Justice League, but put them in a more episodic, more campy, fun kind of version of the Justice League. So none of these are story arcs. None of the episodes are, they're all supposed to be standalone episodes for it. All all themed or inspired episodes, nothing that concrete. There's one episode where they just, for funsies, go bowling. And they accidentally, Superman overshoots it and accidentally like breaks part of the, bowling alley and everyone's like uh the justice league will take care of uh the damages here and they all just sort of cowardly look at batman i got turn this. and look at him yeah <laughs> fine i'll pay for this <laughs> um now you have those uh kind of weird series on it now what's interesting is uh another campy series that came out is and this is later in its life cycle is the lego batman movie but first you had to have the lego movie on there keep in mind the lego movie is made by the same people who will later do into the spider-verse it's the same team the lego movie is just all sorts of fun for that (laughs) Uh, cute it's amazing but then there's the batman lego movie which honestly is hilarious to me 
And I love it when he has to give a rundown of every villain that he has and how ridiculous all of his villains are. Keep in mind, yeah, he has serial killers of monsters like the Joker and Bane and Scarecrow, but he also has Condiment King, you know? Calendar Man. Calendar Man. Oh, God. Stop with Calendar Man. Oh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, which is two, which is a pair of overweight twins who are just obsessed with Alice in Wonderland stories. But you know they go they go great because he just happens to have a Mad Hatter villain. Why why not complete the set? Why not complete the set? Even uh, and so like you know these things are just it's just so fun. And sometimes you can have a superhero story that's just fun. You know, I I definitely do love how after the Justice League verse, there was just a lot of Batmans everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, right. Cause I, I know, cause I know we got the things about the, all the other superheroes, but let's be real. If we start breaking down the numbers, how many of them just go off of Batman? Well, I think the rationale behind that is that with Batman, there's no superpower. It's all like excluding the, the fantasy gadgets. Mm-hmm. Everything is about the hero is attainable by the viewer. And there's a very special appeal in that respect. Mm-hmm. Like his number one trait that most people have that he is, is the detective, not And everyone forgets no. that. Right. But it's also just one of his own most main key characteristics. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he debuted in a detective's comic. And everybody forgets that. So moving on for that one. So, yeah, they try to do things a little bit more serious hit or miss on that with that. Um, and Batman's going to be DC's biggest um, property they have. Um, at least the way it is now on that is Batman's the DC property. Originally, back in the day, it was Superman. Um, up until about the... Until 1989, when the Batman movie comes out. It just redoes everything for him. So, with that, you have just campy versions and other Batman f- stories for it. Now... That being said, the next thing, big thing that happens is that DC makes comic adaptations to really important, big and famous trade comics to um, do this. So let me try to explain this. For our fans here who are listening to this, but they don't, they haven't been in uh, reading comics or things or don't understand the comic world. You have a comic book and it's a singular book. If you have a trade, it's a collection of those comics uh, as a, think of it as a big story arc. Sometimes called trade paperbacks. They're collected volumes. Yeah, and if you have a graphic novel, that's a stand. Uh, it's a story that's standing itself alone. It's just a novelization for that. I think it's kind of interesting because a lot of these um, huge stories, right, are being t- at this time, at least in the the, the 2010s, you know, 2013 yeah. forward, are being turned into movies, and so the DC animated movie universe. Mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than we're talking about, but still animated, so I think it counts, kind it of. It counts. Uh, um, is where we start to see a lot of these stories kind of taking shape. They don't get series anymore of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They get movies, movies. That, ta- that tackle things like the Flashpoint Paradox or yes. you know, Batman and Robin, Justice League versus the Teen Titans, just mm-hmm. to name a few. Death of Superman was one, sorry, I just remembered. Yeah, no, that's the big one. So what happens is that you have the individual trade movies, which are done for uh, uh, for this. We'll get to Flashpoint Paradox and its importance later, because we'll have to deep into some lore on that. But you have um, The Death of Superman. Um, Adam Baldwin plays Superman, of all things. Mm-hmm. That, 
Um, but oh. he, he was talking about it. It was kind of a weird because he has to play himself as Superman and also an evil Superman at the same time. Uh, so you have to deal with um, how those uh, the death of Superman and how they interpret it. And assembly, essentially, it's mostly interpretation. Uh, one of my favorite ones of this is sort of, and it's almost beat for beat, Year One of Batman, which is an amazing mm. comic trade. It's one of my favorite graphic novels. Um, but you get to see Batman and how he works in his first year when things are problematic because he doesn't, he isn't the Batman yet. He's not established. He doesn't have his rhythm, his gadgets perfected. He's literally building it as he goes. He's essentially just still discovering himself because he knows that he's the bat. He's Batman, but how does he portray that and get that out to everyone else of who he is? Yeah, and like a famous part of the story is he stops his first major crime that's happening, and he gets his ass kicked like he's bleeding out horribly and barely makes it back home. And he realizes that half of this problem isn't that he can't just go up and fight people that's not gonna solve all the pro that's not going to give him the edge that he needs and that's when he figures out he needs to have a symbol something that stands outside of being known as being mortal and i think that that also what's helped leans in more of his detective aspects you know uh, especially since he has such a close connection with the commissioner of the with commissioner gordon yeah it's how they start with their stuff um but they actually take a couple of other big stories on there. Uh, there is one of my favorite ones to this day. Um, and I'll give us a backstory to this Batman Gotham Knight. So let's fast. Let's return back into the, the late 90s and early 2000s. There was a movie that you may have heard of called The Matrix. It uh, was a thing. All right. So it was an important science fiction movie made in the late 90s. The first Matrix is, is a standout film. It it really is something special. So what happens is that they create a little series called The Animatrix, which is a couple of people got to do their different animation studios, got to do short stories that were had to deal with parts and pieces of the Matrix of the in the world of the Matrix. I forget if this came out before or after the second Matrix movie. Uh, I believe it was in tandem. It is in tandem. I just don't remember whether it's before two or after two. For taking place, it takes place before, but I think they both came out around the same time frame. Yeah, yeah. So the Animatrix for it. And so a couple of, of uh, studios saw this property and they did something with that. Uh, Halo, when Halo Legends came out, there was a Halo series of short stories that happened in Halo. Um, now, that's not the same as Red versus Blue. That's a whole different thing on that. Um, but... So they did Gotham Knight, and Gotham Knight is supposed is takes place between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Uh, so uh, between the Christopher Nolan films, which is interesting to watch because you see six completely different animation styles, but they've only got the one Batman. Our goat, Kevin Conroy, plays them all. Also, just as a quick note, the Animatrix came out technically after the second Matrix film release. Thank oh, you. okay. I was trying to figure Matrix, out the order, yeah, but yeah. Matrix 2 was in May, and Matrix was in June. Yeah. So real close. Real close. Okay, yeah. But yeah, so like, you have these stories on it. One of my favorite, like, little tidbits on there is there's, because one of the things about Batman's origin is that he travels around the world to learn from experts in different fields to make himself um, tougher, stronger individual. One of the 
there was a Japanese animation studio that got the right that was supposed that was given the the task of doing this one story, but it takes place in India, and they were kind of bummed out. I guess is the best way to say it because um, they were hoping to have an action-oriented martial arts type of episode for it because they got to you know draw the bat to do work as the Batman, and what they have is more of an introspective episode where this woman from India who teaches him how to psychologically like self meditate so he can like push pain out and doesn't and not react to it and and develop this. And she, my favorite part of the story is that she, at the end of the episode, uh, you find out she quits on Batman. He, she quits on Bruce because she knows that Bruce is going to use this to seek vengeance. He's never going to use its purpose to seek enlightenment. And it's a real, he's like, you could just get over the, this, but you're not going to. So I'm done. Yeah, he's going at it for the wrong reason. Mm, but the wrong or right reasons. It's kind of a mixed bag that keeps popping up is you uh it's this DC universe problem. We have a Batman to solve these problems, but now these other problems come up and we need to have a Batman. But yeah, there's also Crisis on Two Earths, which is a famous story where you have the evil version of the Justice League going up against the regular version of the Justice League. And of course, even in that universe, instead of Batman, you got Owlman. Mm-hmm. What where... And that spawns into Crisis on Infinite and a number of other like major events, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that spawns into that one. Crisis on Infinite Earths is a whole shebang that's on itself separately. Well, yeah, um, but it would not have happened. Had, but it had would not. Yeah, because that's an older story that happened back in the sixties. Right. And then we got that, and then they just revisit that there's all these alternate universes, and here's what happens to them. <laughs> yeah, eighty-five. I think was it Infinite Earths. 85 is Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that's scheduled to be... By the way, this isn't a plug, uh, but hashtag DC sponsor, please. Yeah, um, get at us. The next big animated movie coming out that's scheduled for 2024 is a take on Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you're a huge comic Ooh. or historian uh, uh, fan, Crisis on Infinite Earths is what is the considered to be, the by a lot of people, the best, not uh, one of the best comic stories out there and with that the key with it is it took 45 plus years of history and made a story to combine them all together it is considered by when you have what's called an event comic where something big happens in your comic universe this is the staple to how you can the 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 pedigree of what you need to get i do want to walk back my previous statement i think i said that Crisis on Two Earths spawned Infinite Earths, and I meant it the other way around, but that's not what I said. So <laughs> that's fine. Don't um, yell at me. I'm sensitive. Right. Fix it in post. <laughs> we know you meant it the right way, whichever way that was. <laughs> I'll get into an episode later about multiverses, but we have to, when we get to that one, it's important to note because in fictional history, or history of fiction, the first multiverse that's even mentioned is a Flash comic. So that's why you're technically right. Because the evil Earth 2 is a comic story that happened in the 60s. Originally. Thanks, Speed Force. Uh, we'll get to that one in a second here. So, yeah, they're, but they, they're all standalone films. Under the Red Hood is one I appreciate more for voice acting than anything else. Because they got to have Jensen Ackles there. as, um, And he does a fantastic performance in that. But he plays um, Jason Todd. 
Yeah, and um, he wants to play a live action version of that character, and mm -hmm. the rest of the Ooh. world wants him to as well. He's yes. even gone out of his way for Halloween to get like an over the top red hood outfit based on the uh, Arkham mm -hmm. games. And it's like, guys, give this man the role, make the movie. Like, give him and us what we really want. <laughs> yeah. But that's what they're sort of doing taking these big comics, the uh, trades and such, and turning them into their own individual films. Um, the Dark Knight Returns is, pro is considered one of the best comic adaptations and they have a two-part film for that one now that being said now this is now where we get to talk about flashpoint paradox that keeps coming up yeah so here's the thing with for comics history nerds out there for it back in this isn't even back in the day it's only like the flashpoint paradox is 2013 it's not a couple even years ago <laughs> ages long past okay a Flash story was being worked on to make it a set of individual stories. It was going to lead up to a Flash story called Flashpoint Paradox, where Flash goes back in time uh, to save his mother from getting killed by, um, I think Zoom kills her his mother. No, Reverse Flash. It's reverse Flash. That is Zoom. No, no. Reverse Flash is... It depends which continuity. Anyway, the other Flash, the evil Flash. All I'm going to say is, damn it, Barry. <laughs> the not Barry Flash, uh, Alan Flash. Um, that other Flash. That other Flash. Anyway, the one with um, the hole in the head. Yeah. Well, no, that comes up later. Uh, so what happens is, uh, evil Reverse Flash, evil Flash, uh, kills his mother. So Barry goes back in time to stop uh, to stop evil uh, to stop evil Flash. But the thing is that by stopping this moment, it's uh, it has a ripple effect and stops other moments. Um, famously, instead of the Bruce Wayne's parents getting shot, Bruce Wayne gets shot. And his mother becomes uh, the Joker, and his father, Thomas Wayne, becomes Batman. Um, Aquaman no longer, uh, no longer is raised by humans, and so he's raised entirely underwater, and now he becomes a despot uh, kingdom. And, like, I think the the government's best bet, uh, Superman is captured, so Superman doesn't even pop into there. And so you get all of these weird side uh think uh, side effects for this however that's not how that comic was supposed to be see dc had a mandate that they wanted to reboot the universe again um dc has a pro uh, has this issue where they keep getting like loads and loads and loads of other content keep in mind at this point they have the regular dc stuff a bunch of other comic characters from watchmen as part of the dc universe part of now there's also and there's also the properties from Static Shock and uh, Milestone Media. Essentially, they have other comics that get absorbed, properties that get absorbed, and it gets kind of muddled up where you're like, okay, this comic exists in this realm by itself, but it has nothing to do with our characters here. And we've talked about this before with the big issue with Milestone Media and uh, Static Shock back in our first uh, DC, because Static is now part of the DC animated universe, and they add all of static stuff in there god static shock is so good so i know good. we, said, oh I know we said that last episode but god it's so good it is so good it it's criminally underappreciated but yeah so with that they had all these properties and they wanted to reset the universe now to reset the universe you need to have a big event to slam them all together for that right and the first time that dc did that was crisis on infinite earth so this time 
they were going to piggyback on top of a Flash story, Flashpoint Paradox, and make it have a ripple effect to everything else. Now, by the end of the Flashpoint Paradox story, uh, Barry puts the universe together, but at the same time, they're going to combine it all to, uh, back together into this. So that's the thing with uh, Flashpoint Paradox. It was supposed to ripple effect, and then because of that, the different changes still stuck around because you can't put everything back the way it was originally. And that is go- what leads to the new 52. Um, 52 is a different comic take on that. Interesting, yeah. I remember, this is more comic-wise, I have mm-hmm. not interacted much with the animated uh, version of the New 52, other than a handful of stories here and there. But I remember when the New 52 came out, their, their promise, their whole idea, right, was that mm-hmm. they were going to uh, have new storylines and new... Uh, pretty much knew everything, right? They, they basically promised that they weren't going to rehash any, any old content. Mm. They were throwing out your, uh, Batman stories your Superman stories, etc. for what they promised was brand new content. So that's, I think I find that very interesting. I guess I mm. didn't realize that one led into the other. Yeah. So here's the, your background of 52. Originally there was a comics, uh, event that they wanted to do, which was 52. It's called 52 because there's 52 weeks in the year. For 52 weeks, writers and artists would put together, uh, basically release a new comic for this series once a week. If you know anything about com- uh, how comics are done, usually it's one month per issue at best. So having this as 52, which all the writers and artists agree, that was exhausting to do it. But 52, oh, when it originally came out, was an amazing tale of, sto- uh, of storytelling. And one of their key things on it is the Trinity. Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman are gone for one year. And this is what happens to the DC Universe in the one year that they're not around. Pretty wild that they made Calendar Man the villain of 52 <laughs> since there are 52 <laughs> weeks. <laughs> weeks in the year. I'm just saying. I mean, he was no. a mastermind thing, like with... a. Uh at least one page dedicated at the very beginning of every issue with him talking about it. No, there, the, there is a mastermind and it's a twist and it's amazing. And I don't know if I want to spoil that one. Cause that would have been great though. If they had like every week calendar man is on the first page talking about, Oh, and this just happens to be the, <laughs> the week that this occurs. And it's talking about the holiday that nobody's ever heard of. No, that's a, that's a holiday thing. No, that's how they're going to take into effect this uh, it, it, 452. Now, because it was one of the most successful endeavors that DC had done in a while, they wanted to make the new 52, which is another 52 weeks with a spanning of what happens after Flashpoint Paradox. And it becomes kind of an exhaustive mess for it. So you start seeing characters with different art styles, different works for it, and some people with even different liberties. Um, so for example, they had to, how do I want to put this in order for it to make sense? They released uh, uh, Batman, uh, Batman, Superman and, and Wonder Woman are brand new to the, uh, and actually all the superheroes are brand new to the, uh, to the comic world. Uh, Green Lantern gets shot down by the U S military all the time because they think he's an, an, an invading alien. No, it's about Superman because he just comes out of left field and, you know, Batman is a complete mystery. 
Also, they had issues with Batman because in order to have the story for New 52 work right, there also had to be a Nightwing. But in order for them to be a Nightwing, Batman has to exist for at least five to ten years. Oh, no. You can't have Nightwing until he was Robin. You can't have that unless Robin actually did stuff. Yeah, if I remember right, didn't they kind of, for the New 52, like, really fast-track a number of stories and a reworking so you had like the events of 10 years occur over the course of one yeah like it was it's like crazy the way they reworked that and it had a lot of old fans up in arms Mm -hmm. um there's a whole thing with new 52 and it was problematic and such but for our purposes we're going to go through the animation stuff so the first movie of that is slash white paradox and then Afterwards, for each film that was coming out after that, they would have um, a new, uh, it would be part of that new 52 section. So their artwork, all the voice actors, and and some of the production team would still be all the same ones that were in the original, uh, the original story for new 52. To their credit, because uh, it goes Flashpoint Paradox, and then they go with War. And War is the... the is Justice League War is the first story of Justice League and uh, in the new 52 comics where they take a, a turn from the uh, uh, an invading army. Darkseid showing up. He wants to take over, uh, take over Earth and our superheroes have to try to stop him with this. Right. Then after that, you bump into what happens to Atlantis. They introduce Aquaman. But then there's a whole war that's about to happen from the sea people to the land. And. A part of the throne, uh, while well, Alchemist is trying to battle for the throne. There's an animated that deals with Wonder Woman and Aquaman about that storyline. Exactly. Phenomenal. The movie's real good. <laughs> like then there's one that they have the Teen Titans are a are a thing on there, and Damien has to be sent to the Teen Titans because he needs to chill. Oh, Damien. Damien has no chill. Oh, Damien. <laughs> So it's kind of interesting because at this point, they still have this new 52 series that are going forward. But also with that, they have their, um, but also with that, they still have standalone episodes. But most of the standalone episodes here are more Elseworld stories. For those who don't know, uh, in the know for comics, there is What If that Marvel has and Elseworld. It's essentially, let's take our heroes and let's do something fancy with them. Um, I want Batman. All right. But it's he's a vampire now. I got oh, you on that. Yes, gods, gods and, monsters. and monsters. I love mm-hmm. that one. He's like, what should we do with Superman? He's Mexican. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a funny thing with Superman storylines. They do that because part of Superman's origins is where he grows up. So, like, mm-hmm. there is um, he he gets adopted by uh, Mexican immigrants crossing the border in Gods and Monsters. There's Red Sun, which he lands in. Um, uh, pre in communist uh, Russia, um, there is one that I thought was interesting, and I can't remember the name of the comics, but it was essentially a world where Superman didn't technically exist, but the Kryptonian technology and Kryptonian stuff does exist, and so essentially, uh, without Superman in there to keep that stuff in check, people have become ridiculously powerful, and no one's there to stand up against Darkseid because Superman's one of the few people that can go toe to toe with him. Um, oh, my. my favorite thing on that one, they find Superman by accident. He lands in um the Amish country and gets raised by Amish. 
so he avoids all technology so he doesn't know there's stuff going on in the world. They purposely hide it from him as part of being Amish. I definitely do love how mm. with Superman, that wherever he's dropped is just a significant part of his character. Because mm-hmm. honestly, at the end, he, he really is just an omnipotent being that came from space. But now it's just a matter of, okay, but now where's the character going to come from? And that's all determined by where he lands on that. Mm-hmm. I also love, at the same time, you have what's called the Arkham-verse that starts popping up, which is <laughs> oh, a man. series of animated series that are based off of the Arkham Asylum video games. Uh, the big one on that one is Batman Assault on Arkham. My favorite thing about that, Batman's a minor character in his own story, in the, according to this, because it's about the Suicide Squad. Yeah. But then they start introducing Justice League Dark, which is the magical version of Justice League. Yeah, we got Thank a lot you, more. Constantine. Constantine. Satana. Um, Dead Man is in that one. There's also... Um, is Dr. Fate in any of them? Yeah, but Dr. Fate... Actually, no, he doesn't show up much. He is affiliated, though, with Justice League Dark, but he's not a major role. Yeah. Uh, Fate stops being the guy who interferes, and it's Fate's there to interfere only if Chaos interferes. Dr. Fate just became more of a supervisor. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But then they started... Um, what's interesting about the DC uh, for this film universe is that they also have things like... Which became kind of messy because what happens is that certain films, you can't tell if they're standalone or they're part of the continuity or by itself. Like, there's not really... Unless you were a major fan trying to watch through these films, you don't really have a whole dictation of which way any of these things are going to go um which like there was suicide squads hell to pay which is a film that came out apparently it's supposed to be part of the dc film universe but is it also part of the arkhamverse because it's part of their universe and things start getting muddy from there there's like the death of superman they handled the death of superman and the reign of the superman which is part of the 52 story line ish but it's not part of 52. The death of oh. Superman story doesn't work in 52 because Superman's only been around for like two years. He's not a decade-long establishment, established character like in, or decade-plus established character like he is in the original, the original continuity. My head it's hurt. also kind of a frustrating thing because people will still, uh, people who are producers and they push to have the death of superman episode or death of superman um uh section however the only reason it's one of the most important comics in the 90s is because we haven't seen that before you have 40 years of continuity and then superman actually is dies and people forget he was legit gone like mm-hmm. there was no new superman and comics being made at that time for like close to several several months before they actually decided to start bringing him back yeah they legit dropped him hard after that and people are like oh they didn't just kill him for the story they actually killed his comic it's the second highest skull comic book of all time i think is where it was standing at because number one is x-men number one uh in the 90s but that gets kind of wicky because it part of what's called a speculator boom and well, we might touch into that what that is entirely later. Point being is, 
people bought a lot of comics back in the early 90s. People did not buy a lot of comics back in the mid-90s. Um, except for Death of Superman, because people were wondering, but but he did. How he this happened. Die. What? How? What? And then they also do the Reign of Superman. So they do skip around for these stories. Like, this is where it gets kind of messy. You're part of the New 52, but you're releasing yourself as stories that don't work in the New 52. And then at some point, they just uh, kind of quit at the New 52. Like, DC backs off and decides to stop doing New 52 and creates the Rebirth series to go back to kind of the old ways of what we had before. So yeah, that's all a fun take for that. But once you start getting into those ones, DC has gotten, between all of their comics and movies and such, there's been a new animated film for DC roughly at minimum, like twice, like two to three a year. Yeah, they're almost rapid fire and it's, like, in some cases, concerning when you think about it, because realistically that shouldn't work. But they have so much to draw off of, and they do tend to vary their art styles and studios, so it's not like they're hyper-taxing one group. They're just mm -hmm. taking um, all these stories and releasing them in a new manner for everybody. Yeah. And But when they stopped with the 52, they also stopped with the 52 animated series that was going through with um, a messy title. I think it's Justice League Dark War. What's interesting is DC takes a lot, uh, has a, with their animated studios, has a, more of a note for being able to take a gamble on, on things. Um, probably the biggest one that they took a gamble on was Harley Quinn as a series. Oh yeah, God. that... There's no reason that should work. <laughs> but boy, does it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know how you managed, but good on you guys. Keep it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, Harley Quinn is amazing. And they're just let it go. And which you've kind of got to give some mad respects for it. The executive producer is the same person who does of that show is the same person who does the voice acting for Harley Quinn which is Kelly Kugo, who's famous for the Big Bang Theory. Yep. Isn't, I think Harley Quinn is also quite a step in a regular series that's actually not targeted toward a younger audience anymore. Yes. No, no, no. There's This is not for children. Ow. No, absolutely not. Not unless you want to have a lot of very awkward conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, we need to get this little thing rated R. Let's do this thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's right. We're well aware that uh, our same, uh, our same DC loving fans are also grown up as well. If you know what I mean. And swear word, swear word, and sexual content. There we go. Mm -hmm. And yet, it still has stuff to deal with, like the the psychology and and some other like fancy terms that are with that series, which I think is kind of fun. Like, one of my favorite episodes is the one where Harley gets to find Bruce Wayne and actually figures out that she's Batman and gets to dive into what's going on making this guy tick. And, like, even at the end of that episode, she goes, no, 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 you really do need help, but I also understand we totally still need a Batman running around on this. Which is really interesting, too, when you consider that it's technically her, like, the character's actual origin. She's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So... Right. 
the deep dive into the Batman is kind of like on par with her deep dive onto the Joker. Just she doesn't go cuckoo about it. Now she remembers about the uh, patient doctor confidentiality. confidentiality. If she just obeyed that to be, I mean, if she just, you know, work with that when she was working with the Joker, I mean, she probably wouldn't have went through a life of crime. My personal favorite thing about that is like Calendar Man, who ex-wife gets to visit um, Calendar Man in Arkham. And he's like, oh, but yes, I we must do something special for the children on the Easter. Yeah. Have you seen your kids? Do you remember their birthday? Do you remember my birthday? Uh... It's like, yeah, it's the same holiday as um, Arbor Day? <laughs> Quite possibly, I think the greatest line in that entire show is the Joker to Batman. Yeah. Talking about, I pre-ordered an electric car a year ago. Where's my goddamn electric car, Bruce? Was was it electric car or flying car? I can't remember. I thought it was electric, but I don't know. I don't remember, but he's. I just love that that whole segment was. He he's like he he doesn't care that he found out. He just is. He's like some bitch. I put twenty grand down on that. Where's my car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like they'll also get kind of brutal. Like I think Scarecrow gets killed by the Joker at that point. Mm-hmm. Or, for barely that and it's somewhere and that's it back in season one and in season four he said uh harley's like i need to get a team together let me see who i can call up oh yeah scarecrow's dead i forgot about that one moving on how about the uh, and i like how like the legion of doom is uh of with all of their various villains that are in there still have like a 1970s recorded like training video Mm-hmm. And they're horribly and they're amazingly organized. And Bane just seems sad and lonely, even though I know for a fact that he can like destroy a car with his bare hands. God, I love Bane. <laughs> King Shark's also really good. That whole show's phenomenal. King Shark, I love that guy. And <laughs> no, that's the that's the other movie. King Shark in the in in Harley Quinn is a, is hilarious. Like think he's got a background in IT as well. <laughs> he's a gamer. <laughs> he's a gamer. <laughs> But yeah, so they take like all these weird things. It just goes for the funsies of it. Let's just do this. <laughs> Harley Quinn is an amazing show, and it's a lot smarter than it acts like. I guess that's what I wanted to say. It's a satire humor, but it's not dumb humor. It's it's raunchy, but you you've definitely got to like you got to think about it, though. Mm. Well, let's be honest. It is also dumb humor too, though. Oh yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. <laughs> but who it's says funny. dumb humor can't be a thinker as well? <laughs> it can do two things why not um there's only one thing that i think that is sad on that which i kind of wish that they would just have fun so before i move on to the other parts of this um something i want to mention is that kevin conroy is the goat oh, yeah. up until about yep. harley quinn and like one other film after that he still and proudly like Whenever people enter uh, any TV show or something, uh, someone interviews him, he likes to let you know, I've been playing Batman for since X about of years. He's like, I've been Batman for 20 plus years. I'm still going to keep going. And he was that up until his passing. He is one of only two actors to ever play both Batman and Bruce Wayne in live action and as a voice actor. And for Andrea Romano, still regales as uh, she's a famous voice director. And whenever she gets to pick a cast, and, and she's worked on almost most a majority of these DC films, the first thing that she, uh, the first person that comes to her mind every time is Kevin Conroy. And there's a generation, whole generations, who that's the voice they pick for Batman when they're reading the Batman comics. 
Kevin Conway's uh, as a voice actor's legacy with Batman is how you deliver the lines. He could easily fall under the realm of being corny or falling the realm of being overly serious, but he hits that tone just right. You've got to realize that one of the major reasons why a lot of these stories revolve around Batman is the influence that it, that was created from shows that Kevin Conroy worked on. That's the pinnacle of where of what some people would consider for that. But I digress. But Kevin Conroy, we miss you. Yeah, indeed. In fact, um, I think the last thing that he did was a Batman voice acting role. Uh, the last thing he has done has yet to come out. Yeah. Because he will be uh, the voice of Batman in the Suicide Squad game. Yep, and that one hasn't come out yet on that. So it'll be a it'll be a shame if they cancel that game for any reason for that for that one point alone. Let Conroy be the Batman one more time. Right? But yeah, so he is the GOAT. And but the thing is, like, even with most of these films and animated series that we're talking about, odds are Kevin Conroy's playing Batman in those ones. Until his passing, Kevin Conroy was the guy you picked, unless you needed to do something very particular out of that. Yeah. But yeah, so now past that somber note, we're now into our modern era here. The latest of the big DC things that have came out recently is My Adventures with Superman, which I love, especially with the hot take on that of we're focusing more on what Clark Kent is than we are with Superman. We're getting to a point where people are getting more interested in the... How do I want to say this? Instead of being more interested of the Man of Steel, we're more interested of the man and exploring how their relationship is with that. Like I said, we've had so many stories on who they are as the hero, but I think it's time we take a step back and remember who who they are as a person as well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because one of the things that they do is redo his entire origin again. But they, and this fits with a different art style and such. Um, similar to the new um, She-Ra is the art style, if I wanted to describe it. Anime-esque, but not much, but taking cues from one over the other. A lot of the storylines in that one I really like with uh, with uh, Lois Lane. I didn't think I'd fall as much for her as I want. I'm like, I want to see more of what she could do on this. And then that's about the last two big ones. It's Harley Quinn and My Adventures of Superman. In fact, uh, My Adventures of Superman was part of a deal with... Uh, Amazon Prime to come out and Amazon Prime only took the Batman one and when My Adventures of Superman came out they forgot to advertise it properly because this show was delayed uh, due to the pandemic and uh-huh. they forgot to release it so like um, there it's one of the reasons why the first like episode of that series is on YouTube for free because they forgot about it and it just came out of left field for a lot of people. But it's doing super well. And then, as we mentioned, uh, we're now at today where the next big thing they're going to do is the big storyline of Infinite Crisis, which a lot of people don't touch on the basis of how much time needs to be put in to make Infinite Crisis works. And that's about where I got. So DC will now have this big legacy of animation. And that's a legacy of animation will continue going. And it doesn't look like it's 
stopping at any time soon. You can still have Elseworld stories like, what if Batman was in a Cthulhu story? I got you. Or Batman by Gaslight. What if oh, Batman, man. but it's it's Victorian England times. <laughs> or what if Batman got isekai along with a bunch of his rogue gallery, and now they have a mecha battle in feudal Japan. Yeah, yeah. I still need to watch that, and uh, I have to set aside like a, a time to do that because there's so there's so much for me than that. And now that's also got me looking forward to the next isekai between Joker and Harley Quinn that's going to be coming up. Oh God! Yep, I want to see They're that. They're getting isekai'd. <laughs> hey Dane, there's your isekai trash DC episode for you. I'm here for it. <laughs> Dan, watch party? Watch party? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Post it in GTP's Discord. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm game. So that all being said, um, that's about where I've got. If there is uh so DC's gonna keep this legacy. Like, and it's weird because there's a part of the fandom that is uh, of geek fandom that is goes. If you want something live action, check out Marvel. But if you want something animated, stick go with DC. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's about all I've got going on right now. And uh, I guess the only last things on that is that if you, is there a particular DC animated thing that you just sticks with you a bit? Um, for me, it's going to be My Adventures of Superman. I just am in love with that, and I could watch that anytime. Young Justice for sure. Oh shoot! I almost forgot about talking about Young Justice. Okay, oh, so hang on. Good. Episode's not over yet. Let me backtrack about this. Young Justice. We're not done yet. Wait, you've created a time paradox. Thank you, Barry. I created a flashpoint paradox. Yes. Yes, I did that. Um, (laughs) So here's the thing. Young Justice came out and for Cartoon Network back. I forget when its release date was originally because it gets messy. Um, So Young Justice came out to be DC in Adult Swim. We're going to take our DC stories and we're going to make it more adult. It was actually part of a comic series. Uh, it was a playoff of a comic series also called Young Justice. It and uh, This was at a time where Teen Titans wasn't around in the comics. But people wanted these kind of stories. And so they brought in Young Justice. Um, Young Justice in, the, in that is, is all about the sidekicks. Not wanting to be sidekicks. At least at first. So... What I find is interesting on Young Justice, as far as the series goes, is it's highly chronological, not episodic. Like the first ep- uh, ser- uh, season one of Young Justice is literally their first year as Young Justice. Oh man, and the absolute chaos that goes before it. Mm-hmm. What is it? There's Superboy, who's a rage monster because he's a clone and doesn't and needs to calm down. You know that. That, uh, what was his name? Connor, wasn't it? So, Connor Kent, not a look at other superheroes, kind of reminds me of, what if Homelander was born a teenager? I don't think he has the same problems as Homelander. Worst part is Homelander was a teenager at one point. Uh, that's not a, not a fair assessment. Homelander is a little different on that. Superman is um good and pure and wants to do right for people. Homelander wants to do right for himself. Whatever mm-hmm. puts him on the pedestal. Um... But that's a whole different topic on that of your anti-Superman. But what you have is with Superboy is he basically wakes up as a hormonal teenager. Enjoy. 
and he is a full of a rage monster for it. But Young Justice is I I'm with Dan on this one. I personally love it. It gives me that vibes of the old DC show, but with the adultness that's needed for Adult Swim. In fact, it was so good it got itself canceled. And then rebooted, or not rebooted, but uh, re-signed, mm-hmm. and then canceled again. And then canceled again, and then, and then rebooted, and then canceled again. The ending of it's pretty good, though. The initial canceling just infuriates me, though, because it's like, oh, you're not marketing well enough with toys, so we're going to cancel the show. Or maybe you can just finish your story. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like, make or, money. Like, Or maybe people are just enjoying the show? That doesn't make money. Yeah, merchandising is how all that stuff is still handled, especially with Warner, unfortunately. Yeah. So yep. that's what really killed it the first time around. But we were fortunate to get a, at least some kind of conclusion down the road with fans literally screaming at Warner to do something. <laughs> oh, but Young Justice is so good, though. It really so, is. like, they have, um, what is it? In this case, this is the first team that Dick Grayson, Robin, is not the um, the leader. And I like their logic behind why he's not the leader. It's because he's not used to working with Batman specifically. But he's not used to working with an actual team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a point in there, like, what is it? It's this key moment where they get PTSD for everybody in the team because of an accident that happens. And because of that, they have to go through an episode where they're all legit getting therapy. By Black Canary. By Black Canary. You know, look, you go with what you got. I mean, yeah. I definitely do love how in Young Justice they do uh, play a lot in the aspect of, yeah, these guys are, you know, super beings. They're, you know, well, essentially well-trained soldiers. But at the end, they're also still teenagers. And, of course, they also have, like, their whole teenage dramas that got to go over with everything. They're also literal children. <laughs> um, there is one episode. It's, I think, in season one. Yeah, season one, which is one of my favorite ones where basically everybody takes a day off. After a bad, uh, there's a mission that goes kind of bad, and um, Aqualad gives his uh, his speech. Because keep in mind, this is part of uh, uh, Aqualad's boss. The person that he has to report to is Batman. Batman's the kind of guy who scares everybody straight in the team. Yep, Superman's all powerful. The only person that he's not afraid of is Batman, and he demands respect and he gets it from everybody. Doesn't matter who it is. So Aqualad has to give out this report about how much the team failed. We're terrible at this. And here's my report for what's going on. And he expects to be reamed and fired from this job. (laughs) But Batman is a tactician and he understands this. And he goes, yeah, look, you can't win them all. Moving on. You did your best. (laughs) By the way, that's about as much of a pep talk you get from Batman is you did your best. I was like, try a little better. Just try better next time. I know you got it. Like, that's it. What do you want? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> and it's like, Batman just kind of feels like that that stoic stepdad where, no, he seems really rough on the outside, but deep down, just, no, he, he actually does care. Well, it's what I like about this episode is after he, he gives his report, um, the team basically gets the day off and they have to go in separate ways. Robin um, goes back to Wayne Manor, starts practicing and training and is still pissed at himself and decides and ends up getting a one-on-one pickup basketball game with bat with uh, bruce wayne 
for one night, Bruce Wayne just sheds his, stops being Batman for a while, and just plays one-on-one with his adopted son. It's sweet. Also, I like the weird dynamic, which is Superman has this clone. You have a uh, a child that is legitimately yours because of how cloning works. And Superman has issues with having to, you know, take care of a kid. And he doesn't know what to do with this. I I guess I'm a dad now? Question mark? And let's not talk about who the other father is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Lex Luthor. Yeah, if you, he didn't have problems before having Lex Luthor, you know, who's known, who was a known villain <laughs> to be this. Yeah, filled in the DNA and the cloning segmenting with his own. Good job, Lex. But you also have different things, that, uh, different storylines that, honestly, I would be surprised that they didn't take it. What is it? Roy Harper's a clone and also has another clone and also isn't Roy Harper. Too many clones. Too many clones. Roy Harper has all the rights to have an identity crisis. Mm. Um, you start seeing the pieces of where Robin doesn't want to be Batman, but still wants to be a superhero, which is how he becomes Nightwing when they do the time skip. Mm-hmm. And oh, what is it? Uh, at some point, they become a like a shadow team that you, does like s legit espionage and spy works and such. And then there's a whole the Outsiders storyline where they end up being like used as a almost like good press for the Justice League. <laughs> right. Oh, my personal favorite with that one is because sometimes what they'll do is the Justice League will tee up villains that are about to be caught uh, to be caught and then send the Outsiders to finish it up to do uh, just to get the free press. Like, oh, wow, they're doing so great. They're like, wait, 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 you mean to tell me that We've been doing this for, and so we've not been setting up our own missions. These are just things that you're teeing up. Yeah, we helped out a little. All of them? Well, not all of them. That time you fought Condiment King, that's you. All you on that one. I wanted to see what I could trust you with first. Um, But yeah, there's all these background. It reminds me of the Cadmus arc days of the of Justice League Unlimited, where there's dark and where there's these overarching storylines for that go over the course of a year things that happened in the past will come back to haunt them later and it's very much a niche thing which is why honestly justice uh young justice is probably one of my favorites that are out there so dane unless you have anything more to say about young justice oh my god how much time do we have a bit <laughs> it's so good it, it's very much so in my opinion a spiritual successor to teen titans yeah i would agree mm-hmm. with that it definitely like Can't confirm. tries to do the more mature but still campy superhero story, and I think does a pretty pretty good job of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not afraid to tackle adult or I guess more adult themes or coming of age themes of things like you know who am I, what is my place in the world, uh, does my abilities give me license to do what I want or. Am I beholden to the same rules as everybody else? You know, mm-hmm. who can you trust? Who can't you trust? It, it's just, it's it's so well scripted and so well written, even if it's not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. And in my opinion, I think it's probably one of the best anima- animated things they've done in recent years. Yes. Bar, bar none. Uh, oh, yeah. Totally with you on that. 
All right. So before we close this out, El Penguin and Tomato Man, what is some of the DC stuff that you love or pick if you wanted to show somebody what it is? Going on the note of how everybody is connected with Batman. And if I remember, if it's Justice League Doom, where... Where Batman has a contingency plan against everybody. And then they got leaked and were used against them. Yep, that's Doom. Yeah, I feel like that one definitely just shows... Well, not only the amount of character and connections that they all have on it, but also shows that even though these are, you know, people who trust each other to save, you know, get each other's backs at the world, there's still that that sense of there's no one is ever fully trusted to, with one another. Mm-hmm. Like even Batman will admit that he has a backup plan in case he goes like nuts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I do actually remember this very episode set up, too, because um, it's covered in... That was uh, the Justice League Unlimited, the that, right? It was in that line? Uh, there's there's one, there's a mention of it in Justice League Unlimited. It's uh, when, uh, during their uh, the whole thing with Cadmus, they're like, when yeah. we go crazy, it, we, yeah, you they, have they, tons of power on that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and what if something happens to you? He's like, I've got a plan for that, too. It's like, oh. Well, that shut me down, didn't it? I think it well, was. Well, uh, uh, the line is, uh, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, Batman, do you have a contingency plan? Yeah, I got contingency plan about everyone, even myself. What's your contingency plan? The Justice League should stop me. <laughs> it's like you. It's like, oh, well then. <laughs> it's like, all right, um, it's not the most genius plan. Just everyone beat the shit on me. Yeah, it's like I'm a human. You guys can win. It's like I, I know I know I'm good, but like you, you guys are literally an entire league of of heroes. I don't like my odds against that. My odds, the odds he's, are not in my favor. Bat, Batman's humble enough to know when he's going to get his ass kicked. Humble enough is a stretch. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tomato Man, what do you got? Oh, geez. I mean, are we staying strictly animated? Or are we just talking DC in a general sense? Animated. Animated. Otherwise, it, we'd be here wait, wait all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh. I just honestly, I miss Teen Titans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just comes down to that, and um, I mean, we never did get the proper ending to Teen Titans. I'd like to at least get that, but I am glad we at least got some kind of resolution for Young Justice, and that's, I guess, a caveat we'll have to live with. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? The last the the Teen Titans movie, uh, Trouble in Tokyo, is supposed to be the ending for that series. It didn't. It didn't tie up the stuff with Terra, though. No. Yeah, that's a thing. And that was a very, very intense storyline when they did touch on it mm-hmm. a couple times throughout the show. So that always kind of irked me because you never got the resolution there. Yep. But yeah, that is about it that we have for this episode. That's going to be coming out. Our next episode is going to be uh, released on december 15th after that we will be going on hiatus for the month of january just to recharge the batteries and such but with a very special crossover episode coming out later for that crossover. Uh, uh, next year so with that being said this is gaming theater podcast logging out bye everybody bye see ya later Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game, 
Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some money to help with these episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash gamingtheaterpresents. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.